You've tuned in to Columbia Calling, your first stop for everything you want to know about Columbia. How and where to invest, where to visit. From the Pacific to the Caribbean, the Andes Mountains to the Amazon jungle, Columbia has a slice of everything. Shooting from the hip, answering the questions that need answering. Here's your host, the journalist and hotelier, Richard McCall, shedding some light on the fashionable South American destination of Colombia. It's that time of the week again, folks. This is me, your host, Richard McCall, here in Bogota, Colombia, 2,600 meters closer to the stars. And this is episode 361 of the Columbia Calling Podcast. Thank you to all of you who tuned in to episode 360 with my wonderful wife, Alba Torres, last week. It's been the episode I think I've received the most feedback on, and for good reason. And uh, as one of our great listeners out there, regular listeners and friend to the podcast said, She's way too smart for you. And yes, I think you're right. And uh, on return of that, Alba said, oh, yeah, your friend Sergio, he can come round for a meal anytime he wants. So there you go, Sergio. You have been invited round anytime you want for that brazen flattery that you uh, cast, albeit rightly so, upon Alba for her appearance on the Columbia Calling podcast. This week's very special guest is Rafael Vargas, and he's one of the brains behind the Sudaca Cerveceria Artesanal, a Sudaca craft beer company, a craft beer company created here in Bogota some years ago, and of course, experiencing all sorts of challenges right now in this time, but very interesting to talk to them. And during which this conversation I will be sampling some of the beers so let's just say that this episode 361 is sponsored by the Sudaka beer company so check that out at sudaka s-u-d-a-c-a dot com thank you again to all of you who sponsor us on patreon that's patreon.com columbia calling you've really made it a lot easier to make ends meet and indeed uh, uh, improve the podcast as you can tell through this microphone i've been able to pick up with your help this year i will be looking for a better mixer and of course to hopefully improve and update other parts of the podcast and make it well economically viable let's say so I'll leave you now in the capable hands of uh, Emily Hart, and she'll be bringing you the news quick newscast uh, as she does every week. Excellent job that she does for us um, from her base in Medellin. So thank you again to Emily. And we'll be back in segment three with Rafael Vargas of Sudaca Cerveceria, and you'll hear me enjoying an IPA and a stout whilst recording. So thank you again, and bye-bye. I'm Emily Hart, and these are the top news stories for the week of the 1st of February, 2021. An important step in Colombia's peace process has now been taken. In a process known as Case 001, the Recognition Chamber of the War Crimes Tribunal, the HEP, has charged eight former commanders of Guerrilla Group, the FARC, as those responsible for mass kidnapping, considered a crime against humanity. The HEP has been investigating the group regarding 8,000 kidnapping cases. Former commanders have already admitted that kidnapping, which initially targeted drug kingpins and presumed oligarchs, degenerated, and ultimately justified the kidnapping and hostage-taking of civilians. This is the first time the tribunal has presented charges that would lead to sanctions against FARC leadership. The accused have 30 days to accept or deny the charges against them. If they accept, they will be restricted to limited penalties under the terms of the peace agreement. If they do not accept, the case will continue and they could face prison sentences of up to 20 years. Hernando Giraldo, a former leader of the ultra-right-wing paramilitary group, the AUC, 
has been returned to Colombia after serving 12 years in prison in the USA for drug trafficking. Here in Colombia, he faces charges of murder, rape of minors, forced disappearance and armed displacement, 336 war crimes in total. And in other legal news, closing arguments have begun in the trial of Santiago Uribe, brother of former President Álvaro Uribe, for allegedly forming the paramilitary group Los Doce Apostoles, and for the alleged murder of a bus driver in Antioquia in 1994. The prosecutor has asked that Santiago Uribe also be convicted of aggregated homicide as perpetrated by proxy of various murders committed by the paramilitary group. The group is accused of 500 murders of those they considered to be guerrilla supporters, as well as carrying out so-called social cleansing. And bad news for protests this week, as the ban on the use of tear gas against demonstrators has been lifted. The court declared the use of the chemical gas a proportional and legitimate means to re-establish rights and public order. This ruling comes in this same week that a riot police officer was convicted for the murder of a young protester who died after being hit in the head with a tear gas canister in 2005. The police officer fired the tear gas directly into the crowd, not an uncommon practice in Colombia. There are numerous other trials underway for similar actions by members of Colombia's law enforcement. And in coronavirus news, case numbers in Colombia continue to fall. Currently at around 8,000 new cases per day, dropped from a peak of 18,000 cases in mid-January. The country has now registered more than 2 million cases overall, with 54,000 deaths in a population of 50 million people. A state of emergency has however been declared in the Amazonas region, as the Brazilian mutation of the virus has been detected there. Also this week, Colombia's Minister of Defence, Carlos Olmes Trujillo, and National Union leader, Julio Roberto Gomez, were killed by the disease. Despite confusion and concern about transparency of contracting, President Ivan Duca has announced that mass vaccination will start on the 20th of February. Those were this week's top stories. Now back to Columbia Calling with Richard McCall. And we're back. This is Columbia Calling, episode 361 of the Columbia Calling podcast. My name is Richard McCall, and we are talking this week to uh, Rafael Vargas from Sudaca. Sudaca is a craft beer company startup here in Bogota. He came to us, and I think it's very cool that we get to talk about uh, someone's business and someone doing something interesting here in Bogota. But of course, Something's happened this year. Something has happened last year. Uh, but we're going to talk about that as we, as we go along. And uh, let me just say thank you so much, Rafael, for agreeing to come on the Columbia Calling Podcast. Uh, thank you, Richard, for having us. And it's a pleasure to be here with you and, and talk to, your, to you and your audience. Perfect. So, Rafael, let's start with you. You're a Bogotano. You are born and raised in Bogota. I was born in Cali, ah, but I was okay. raised. I was raised most of my life here in Bogota. Yes. Okay, and so you saw the need, obviously, some years ago, like the craft beer revolution, let's say, taking hold in, I guess, places like Austin and Seattle and San Diego and places up in the U.S. And all that we had here, beyond obviously Bavaria's monstrous beer company or so on, all that we had here was the Bogota Beer Company, which for a while, was, of course, palatable and the one we would drink because there was nothing else. So then we started seeing other beers popping up here and there. Over time, more and more have come up. I mean, you go into, let's say, I don't know, uh, what's it called, Gourmet Center or somewhere like that, 
and it's amazing. It's incredible to see the uh, the the offer. The, uh, of craft beer made in, in Colombia. Now, to the top of my head, I can't remember any, but I have spoken to someone who helps put together La Roja, so the Fox beer or the X Fox beer. Yeah. I still haven't tried that either, but, you know, things have gotten away. But you created Sudaca, and, of course, that's Sudamericana, right, for abbreviated. Tell us a little bit about how it all came about. Uh, well, we started out around uh, 2016. Our brewmaster, Juan Carlos, he... Uh, worked in Leeds in a rich side brewery. Uh, he's a Colombian. He's here from Bogota, born and raised. And um, he was in, in, in the UK mainly because uh, his wife was uh, working and was pursuing a doctorate degree. Mm-hmm. And once they finished, they came back to Colombia. And, um, well, he started to do, to do all the information gathering to start a, a brewery here. He, he got all this experience. He got all the know-how from the traditional British brewing scene, uh, which was, to be honest, is still very new to everybody here in Colombia. Um, so the, the, main, the main goal at, from the beginning was to bring all that knowledge, start developing some quality beers here. Mm-hmm and then try to get the brand growing and, and try to get the brewery growing. Um, I myself joined uh, last year. Um, I was, um, I'm a business administrator. Mm-hmm. I kind of joined to, to, to help on the business side of things and try to get the brand growing and, and the company uh, set up and organized. Um, but we've, we've been, like you said, like you mentioned, we've been struggling uh, with the last year. Um, but our brand hopefully wants to bring that know-how, bring that expertise and try to develop new flavors, new, new offerings. Like you mentioned, there are around 250 breweries now in Colombia. Here in Bogota, around 160-something. Mm-hmm. Uh, so this, the scene is growing, but we're still less than 2%. Yeah. And there's a lot of opportunity and a, a lot of market growth potentially that uh, we want to be a part of. So um, that's why we're trying to join the scene, have these conversations and try to reach more people. Well, of course, it was all going incredibly well until until something occurred. But tell us a little bit, because, you know, what I'm uh, interested in is it's very, uh, it's very difficult to open up a business of this type in Colombia, I think, not only with... The Invima, which is sort of the, I guess, the official body to allow food and a drink. I guess it's the Food and Drink Administration or so. Yeah, and also beyond that, the bottling companies here, don't they belong to one family that kind of owns everything in Colombia? Yeah, it's the, all the bottling industry is owned by Peldar, mm-hmm. which is a company, they essentially have a monopoly in the entire country. So everybody buys from them and we, we kind of have to adjust to whatever they demand. Yeah. And um, in our case, for example, we have to go through distributors because we are not large enough to mm. even have a batch of their production. So prices are high. And um, yeah, the, the, the entire process to get set up is really tough. Yeah. Uh, we had some help from this government because there's a new a new law that's come into place this year that allows us to manufacture several types of beer with just one uh, Invima approval. Huh. 
which is which is a breath of fresh air because we had to go through the entire process for each beer. Uh, so that helps a little bit, but the entire experience of just getting the factory set up and and getting all the um, all the raw materials is really is really tough because you have you, you we basically import everything, right? Yeah. Nothing is made here in Colombia. Uh, and and so it wasn't Juan Carlos, your brewmaster, smuggling hops over from the UK, you know, under the noses of the FDA. Uh, so you have several beers, um, IPA, stout, pale ale. What else do you have? I've seen them on the website, but uh, uh, we have the, the traditionals, the IPAs, uh, the pale ale, and the stout. Uh, mm-hmm. On top of that, we have a Kolsch, which mm-hmm. is a typical uh, blonde beer from the Kolsch region in Germany, which is really soft and kind of laggery, but it's an ale. Mm-hmm. And we have uh, seasonals. Uh, oh, nice. Up to now, we've had uh, Alt beer as a seasonal, which had a really good response last year, uh, which is also from a, a, a German region mm-hmm. and German style. And uh, But I, I would guess that our two main, uh, like our best sellers are the IPA and the Kolsch. Well, my favorite of all beers is the IPA. And a little bit later in the show, I'm going to be trying them because very kindly, Raphael sent me a six-pack of uh, six bottles of beer, uh, the Stouts and the IPA. Now, but tell us about... So the IPA is the most famous yeah. uh, beer style in the world right now, right? Even more. Well, apart from the laggers, uh, yeah. all the big industrial manufacturers, it's the largest. Yeah. To, to, and, and so you, you came in as the business administrator. You came in to make sure the books are okay and make sure that it's run properly. Who came up with the name Sudaka? Uh, well, we, we are three um, owners. Um, the name came about for the first two owners that are Juan Carlos and Felipe. Mm-hmm. Uh, they came out with the name Sudaka, like I mentioned, as the brand of a, like trying to to reference Latin, Latin pride, which is a common feeling that all Latin Americans have, and kind of um, trying to prove this um, like mantra that uh, Latin Americans can make good beer, and we can do it. Yeah. And um, with all the expertise, all the know-how, all the development of the new, new techniques here, mm-hmm. Uh, we've been able to put out a pretty good beer and try to live up to that name. So that's the the idea of the brand. Sudaca Sudamericana. I just I want to sing. What, who's the who's the artist? Is it? We are Sudamericana rockers. Who sings that? Sudamericana rockers. Los prisioneros. <laughs> yeah, I just want to sing that when I see Sudaca. Yeah, it's it's kind of kind of related to to the whole Sudaca feeling. Is this uh, feeling of independence and pride? And Guerrero, yeah. I don't know how you say that in English, but uh, like a warrior, like yeah, <laughs> like uh, like um, prevails against the odds and all that uh, kind of feelings. That um, it's really common to all of us Latin Americans. Yeah, it's true. It's this um, it's something I talk about, and I actually study a lot. Is this the the search for an identity in this? Uh, you know, the, uh, and, uh, a post-Hispanic, let's say, empire, post-colonial thing, and so on. But let's not get into that. But you, Sudaka, you've tried to... And of course, Sudaka, you're taking it positively. In, in somewhere in Europe or in Spain, someone could say, ah, it's the Sudacos. 
uh, it's, it's a, a very negative, negative term. term. You know, it used to be a, a really negative term. It, it was like a derogative term mm-hmm. that the, the Spaniards actually used to uh, tell any Latin American who went to Europe, they called us Sudaca. Mm-hmm. And yeah. it was kind of, I don't know how the British and the French call each other, but I would guess it's something similar that when you, when you don't like somebody who's visiting, well, it comes from that, but yeah. uh, obviously the relationship uh, has changed a lot in the last years, but that's the origin of the word. I'll just, uh, I mean, I know that most people are a little we the horse beef or the roast beef to the uh, French and they're the frogs. Because <laughs> <laughs> they eat the frog snacks. Um, that, uh, I think it's good to reclaim the word, reclaim the term Sudaka, and it's, it's an attractive name on a beer. And I'm just going to hand, I'm going to hold these up so you can see. Look, there we are. Sudaka Stout. You've got your Frejones, unique to Colombia. Uh, I guess a beautiful raven-haired Colombian girl. What is the deal with the sort of clouded-out face? <laughs> well, the idea behind the the faces on the on the branding is um, like in 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 sync with the with the brand name and the idea is kind of trying to like coming out of nowhere, like an, from an incognito state. Uh, this comes out. Um, so that's the idea behind that, that um, like the coverage of the faces in the, okay. in the bottles. Because you've got this one on the IPA as well, the fingerprint right there on the blonde. And what else have we got up here? It's got a hummingbird. Uh, this is traditional, yeah. yeah. Very, very nice, very nice. Very, yeah. So we're trying to relate local stuff, uh, traditional to Colombia, to... <laughs> to that revolution that we're trying to start. <laughs> revolution. I like it. Now, you are doing really well. You have the tap room in San Felipe, which is a very hip district, you know. You're just between, let's say, the north, El Polo, and San Felipe, the south, I would say, is the Agosto. And it's been a really hip area in the last, I would say, six, seven years. It's been coming into its own. A lot of graffiti artists getting big space for their galleries. Uh, I know some friends who've got galleries down there, and you started seeing, and they were doing the San Felipe, open San Felipe. Open San Felipe. Uh, and so, so people could come down with kids. There's always some music on and, and interesting things. So it sounds to me like a perfect place for a craft beer uh, startup. And I, I guess you were incredibly popular there in the, the, with the tap room. Um, for a while. I mean, we started here in in december of last year uh-huh. so we we've only we've only been open here in in san felipe for four months uh, okay um and then the, the pandemic hit um but you're right you're absolutely right about the district the san felipe mm-hmm. uh, is really perfect for our scene there's mm-hmm. uh, not many bars or beer offerings here there's a couple only mm-hmm. and like you said it has been growing there's a lot of uh, traffic of um art a district and galleries and all kinds of artists uh coming to the to the district to to see the art but obviously uh we hope they they also stop for a beer yeah definitely no i could see it being a real hit i can i get that feeling it's a bit more you know you're pushing out there like in new york when it pushed out to williamsburg and things but a long time ago but there were i've been to a few things and 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 art events down there and sometimes 
You know, I'm in my 40s. I feel so old and so uncool, I have to say, you know, uh, carrying around my kid and making sure he's not knocking over some priceless piece of art. And so I, I just feel, I think I would rather duck into a tap room and sit in a corner and just not be spotted uh, because some, some of the places are too painfully cool. But that, that's all right. And of course, the artists and everyone else moved down there because of the space. You could get more bang for your buck. Now, of course, it's gentrifying and it's really expensive to get older. It's getting more expensive. And, um, well, that, like the entire district has been getting so much attention. Yeah. There's a lot of people wanting to move in. And there's even now local, like, um, old people who used to live here for a long time that are kind of protesting the, the, the whole scene. It happens. Um, but uh, here is the minority because it's yeah. bringing also a lot of development and also a lot of uh, revenue for all the local businesses here in the district. So it's a win-win in my opinion. And and, yeah. and we're trying also to tap into that. We have some art from some people here in our, in our tap room. And we hope to also maybe be a platform for new artists that want yeah. to have an event or anything here in the, in the, in the district. We're, we're open to that as well. But you see, I don't, you know, I, I have my issues on gentrification, and I've studied a lot, and there is a, a compassionate way about including the traditional long-term communities into these things, and I think that's one thing. Uh, but for the location of San Felipe and its proximity to other incredibly high-rent areas of Bogota, I don't see it as the most damaging, let's say, movement if you were, for example, to take downtown Bogota, where they're doing all of the economy and naranja, orange economy, and trying to push out the traditional communities in La Estanzuela to, you know, value the, the property more, that I have an issue with, because there is a real attempt at pushing out to traditional communities. San Felipe is right pegged to Chapinero, I mean, it, and then La Cabrera and all the others, which is, you know, we're looking at. Yeah, proper. When you think about it, uh, most of the galleries opened up in houses that were up for sale yeah. anyway, right? Yeah. So, and for example, our tap room used to be a car garage. <laughs> it's our and and we remodeled it, but uh, it's not like uh, I have not heard of a large mass of uh, residents having to deal with this yet. Mm. But uh, there's definitely the the idea out there so you're you're in the tap room right now what we can see if you're watching this online yes yes and i am the artwork in the back there's actually from local graffiti artists that uh yeah. we, we we came to know about here in the yeah. district and and they were kind enough to give it to us and and we hang it on the wall nice nice so, and, and then you opened another one. You had another bar up in Chapineros, which was on the 56th with Cuarta. So in the real hub of, let's say, experimental and award-winning restaurants, you're up there with Salvo Patria. You're not far from Mesa Franca. Was it Insurgentes, a taco place? Uh, Villanos in Bermudas. All of these great places. You know, there was a real movement. And I bet that was booming up there. Yes, well, that part got started around um, September last uh, last year. Mm. Well, 2019. 2019, yeah. And um, yeah, like you said, it was it was booming. I mean, we uh, nearly tripled our beer sales. Mm. 
with that bar and um we basically had it open only for three months yeah uh but those were the best three months we've ever had so um <laughs> it was definitely working mm -hmm. and um we were sad to to hit the pandemic and and sadly we had to close it but uh mm -hmm. it was definitely the spot because there's there's not much in offering regarding beers and bars in that in that area yeah and we we thought we kind of hit the jackpot but um it, it didn't turn out Hey, we've all been. Well, those of us who are uh, somewhat entrepreneurial in spirit have all been very harmed uh, in in this situation. And uh, I have to ask you then: if the pandemic has hit and has you know, really knocked your business sideways, how do you feel it will? You know, where do you see an upturn? Do you see an upturn? Do you see it coming back to normal? Um. Well, in in, in all honesty, I'm a, I'm a business person, and I and I kind of know that the the market is still gonna be there. Mm -hmm. um, we we're actually more worried about when is it when this is actually gonna be done because most of us, I think, all of us, were under operating under the idea that maybe January February things were gonna be much easier, and mm -hmm. and it turned out to be the contrary. Yeah. Um, so. I think um, we are going to be able to survive, but we're—I mean—we're surviving on online sales, yeah. which we we kind of started in October due to the pandemic. We we used to not have online sales; we just did taproom sales and personal person to person sales. Um, so we we opened the online channel and we're trying to get it to to work, mm -hmm. and it's been relatively. Like, not great, but it's been stable and it's been paying some bills, but uh, no doubt we're still struggling. It allows you to continue to brew, I think. Is. Now, the online sales, for those of you interested, that's uh, sudaka.com? Yep. Sudaka.com, as you think. So let's get on to the part that I've been waiting for. Uh, I've had these beers in my possession for several days, uh, and have been able, have not cracked them open because I've wanted to try them here. So I'm going to start with the stout. Do I put this way? Do I pour it tilted? <laughs> okay, good. Let's try that. I'm going to try not to get too tipsy because, you know, mid-afternoon drinking. <laughs> and then I've got to look after my children again. So we've got the stout here. Good color. It could, I could also pass it off as a Coca-Cola. Uh, if I wanted to, <laughs> no, it's uh, a little bit more dark brown. But, yeah. <laughs> but no, far enough away, people could think, oh, no, it's all right. It's Richard's enjoying a Coca-Cola. Um, but so, I've got, that's how we try it. Hang on a second. That's good. And it's got that um, kind of, I, I want to say, coffee consistency uh, that a stout should have. Uh, so your brewmaster was completely... Um, responsible for this one for the stout yeah 100 percent. we we kind of decided on the stout uh all three of us and he put it together and like you said it's based on uh the roasted party that brings out the coffee and um dark chocolate scent yeah and um it came out really good yeah so you've got that that coffee to begin with and then it's the dark chocolate when it's down here i can feel it it's good. very nice uh, okay one more one more, one more sip of this Mm -hmm. And now, unfortunately, I have another glass. I'm going to try the IPA, which is you know, ordinarily my favorite. So, 
Let's try this bad boy. There we go. Good color. Like the honey color. Dark honey color. There we go. See? There you are. Amber honey. Yeah. Amber, yeah. Nice. Try not to spit on my computer. It's got the hoppy smell to lead in with. Hang on. I like that. And it's refreshing too. Yeah, and yeah. it's got a, some citrus and fruity aromas in the back. Definitely, there's definitely citrus in there. And this is this would be my 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 beer of choice. I would try each one of them if I was there. So I'd try all six or seven that you've got, and then I'd go back to the one I like the most. <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, no, I personally also am a, I am an I, I am an IPA guy, but uh, but no, I, I'll. The two that you have there are really, really good. And like our, our intention is to make really flavorful beers, but mm-hmm. uh, that are easy to drink, that kind of what you guys call sessionable. Yeah. <laughs> so you, can, you can have a couple and you're not going to feel all full up. Because mm-hmm. we found out in like the Colombian market, it's not really, it's, I, I don't think it's really ready for the really hard and high alcohol beers. No. They tend not to do very well. Mm. Um, so we're kind of tapping into that, the easy to drink, uh, sessionable, but also keeping the flavor from the traditional style. Yeah. So these are all 5%. Yeah. yeah. We, we, yeah. we keep them all at five Yeah. precisely because of that to make them, um, stick within that, uh, drinkability parameter that we want. Well, that's it. There used to be a strong one here. Was it called Brava or something? It wasn't very yeah, nice. It was called Brava yeah. and it was not really good. It was and just... It, just Designed for students to get drunk quicker, I think. Yeah, I, I, it wasn't very Yeah, it, good. it was actually by the time I was in the university, and it, it, and it did exactly just that. It, it, didn't, it wasn't tasteful, it wasn't refreshing, it was... It's a get, as we were saying, it's get pissed quick, the GPC. <laughs> yeah. um, now, in the tap room, because you're still there, although you're not open, and you will be open soon, because we're going to keep positive on this one, and I'll get down there. Do you offer food as well? Do you have, like, bar eats or something? Yeah. Uh, well, when we were open in January and February here, we had a, we had a menu. We had a, um, we had a choripanes and, like, kind of... Mm-hmm easy-to-go menu, not, yeah. not any restaurant-style menu. Um, but we shut that down, and right now we're in the process of setting up a new menu uh, mm. that we hope to have ready to when we have to open. It's um, interesting when it's going to happen at the moment, because I mean, you know, we're wading through day by day here, and we're not getting a straight answer from the uh, health minister. End of February, end of February, and then... You know, we well, we're recording this on a on a Wednesday, and on a Tuesday, in fact. And um, it, it, the news that comes out is that there's still negotiations for the vaccine. So I don't see anything changing until you know we start getting people vaccinated and there's start more of a herd immunity. Or basically, we're all immune. We're all having had it by then. Well, we're hoping that that it's soon. And and I and I. Well, I'm not very judgmental about the government because I, yeah. I would think they have the roughest of years they had <laughs> in, a, in a while. Because this has been really hard for everybody, right? Yes. And But it is kind of sad that uh, there are a lot of equivalent countries to us that mm. are a- already started vaccinating and we still haven't. <laughs> so I guess that, that is frustrating, but um, I, I know we're going to get into it and, and maybe this, this can get accelerated somehow. 
Yeah. Uh, we oh, definitely. We're looking forward to it because we, we want to open our, our tap room. We want to have people here again. It's, uh, it's a great place, and we hope, we hope we can do it soon. It's a, it's a sad feeling, isn't it? A, a bar that's empty, and, and there's not the, the sound of laughter and clinking glasses and, and the music. Hang on a second. You, obviously, you have music on, but it's on at, not at Colombian levels. It's on at a regular level so people can talk. Uh, it's a regular level. Uh, we keep it, um, well, not as, as low as you would think, uh, but yeah, you can talk and okay. we actually pay a lot of attention to that. You can sit down and have a conversation, but still hear the music because the music is part of the, of the branding of the, of the tab room here. Cause we, yeah. we want to promote new Latin bands and have the, that kind of music, um, that is noticed. So. So give me a give me an idea of the music played because I'm obviously very uncool. You're in San Felipe. I won't have heard of it, but uh, if I can pretend to be cool to my five year old, that's all a good thing. <laughs> no, but I think I'm I'm sure that it's um, most of the bands you already know, like Chokita uh, uh, oh, and yeah. Perine yeah. and those kind of new bands that are coming into the scene. There's a really, really good new band that is, is called La Boa that we play some of them, uh, some other things here and um, some of their local rappers, uh, Sudaka. There's a rapper called Sudaka that we obviously called and, and play some of the stuff. <laughs> and yeah, we kind of try to, to, to encourage and promote that kind of music. Excellent. I like that. You know, it just sounds like a sort of place I'd love to sit down yeah, and, and you know, chew the fat with some friends over uh, over a few over a few beers. You know, not too many, just you know, a couple and, and enjoy of a, a Friday Saturday afternoon. Uh, but so let's let's put ourselves beyond, if it's possible, uh, beyond the uh, pandemic situation. We've we've come out the other side. Whoops, excuse me. We've come out the other side. What's the plan for Sudaka? I mean, world domination, uh, yeah. Colombian <laughs> domination. No, well, uh, to be honest, our goals are um, pretty set already. Uh, we are going to launch around five to six new styles this year. We hope, oh. um, and uh, we're going to grow our online business, and we're we're obviously want to grow our taproom sales once it's possible. Uh, and once we have enough, um, we'll reactivate, reactivate enough. We're going to start, uh, looking into uh, other cities in Colombia, mm-hmm. um, trying to get, get people to know us in Cali and Medellin and in Barranquilla. Uh, there's a lot of bars there that we are already in contact with that we, we, we hope to be there soon also. And who knows, maybe in the future we'll open another bar, um, we're, we're, we have the experience of the last part we, we opened. It was a really good one. So maybe when everything is uh, up and running again, we can, we can start that also. Well, I like, you know, I think this comes back to the name. It's not a Bogota-centric name, Sudaka. It's an all-encompassing name. And therefore, you won't deal with the, let's say, the, the regionalisms that take place in Colombia. Like if you had a, if you try to open up as a Bogota thing in, in Medellin, yeah. Uh, as the main yeah, rival, I heard Bogota it? Beer Company was not very well received in Barranquilla. That's a story I heard of. Uh, <laughs> That's fine. <laughs> but yeah, our, our brand is not local to only Bogota. We, our name and, and our entire message uh, really uh, 
aspires to any Latin American. Mm, so yeah. no, we're not just in Bogota. Quite forward thinking, therefore. I think you can go beyond Colombia's frontiers with a name like that. And please tell me you've copyrighted the name so that you're not going to be in trouble further down the line. Um, listen, I've been drinking. I've almost finished my my IPA, and I, I this I like the stout. Very, I, I, I always enjoy a stout, but this is is my my favourite tipple here. Uh, lagers are just a bit too. I think. I, just, I don't know. I haven't tried it yours, but it's a bit. They're always a little bit too wishy washy. I need to be in in the real heat to drink a lager. No, well, we don't have the lager because the lager is an entire different process. Okay, right? good. We, we we don't even have the equipment to make a lager. Okay. We 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 do ale uh, style beers only, and uh, precisely the Kolsch. We we made that Kolsch um, trying to to tap into that mm. lager market, by but by offering a beer that has all this additional flavor and this additional experience that a traditional lager doesn't have. Because, um, well, here in Colombia, we've only been exposed to lagers, uh, mm. sadly, for <laughs> around 100 years. Forever. Um, so we use that style that it's kind of similar, but it's it got all this additional flavoring and all this additional aromas that can kind of... Uh, make the, the Colombian public know a little bit more about the beers mm -hmm. and trying to get more interesting. Excellent. Well, let, let me say thank you so much, first of all, for sending me the beers. You will forever be in my heart for that, <laughs> ever in my debt. Um, and, and thank you for getting in touch and coming on the podcast to talk about this business, which is exciting and it will improve. You're a business administrator, you know economics. It will improve again. And I'm sure that the online sales will continue to increase as people look to help and to back small enterprises because it is happening more. You know, people are understanding. The, the huge companies are always going to be okay, but the smaller ones, the local ones need you need your backing. So everyone out there, I'm calling upon you to go to sudaka.com, those of you in Colombia, to buy buy the, the, the beer, support a small enterprise here in Bogota, which will expand to the rest of the country. And you heard it from Rafael Vargas, things are going to improve. They will open bars, they will send the beer and stock it in bars in Medellin and Cali and other, other places. It will happen. And, you know, I think, I think that's what we need to remember. These are these are bleak times, but we stay busy in the hope of coming out on the other side, in the knowledge that we're going to come out on the other side. So thank you again for your time and, and of course, for sharing with us the whole story of how this uh, Sudaka uh, craft beer company came about. Oh, Richard, I want to thank you for the opportunity to talk to you and, and your audience. Uh, for us, it's an, an amazing platform for getting people to know us and trying to grow our community. Because like you mentioned, craft beer is all about community and people getting to know us and people getting to support us and try to help us grow because we're going to try to help everybody around us also. Exactly, and it's the community, as you say. So I'll take this moment to say thank you so much to Rafael Vargas of the Sudaca Cervecerias, the Sudaca Craft Beer Company. Check out the website again, that's sudaca.com, S-U-D-A-C-A, sudaca.com. The IPA is my favorite if you want to send me some. Uh, of course, you can, <laughs> you can back us as well on the Patreon campaign for as little as $2 a month. That's patreon.com, uh, Columbia Calling. There's all sorts of goodies on there. 
for the longer you back us for. We've been talking here, again, as I said, Sudaka. Next week, we're going to be speaking to Tom Gatehouse of uh, the Latin America Bureau. He's a researcher and investigator. Uh, he's writing the book about mining in Latin America and mining in Colombia. And we'll be talking about that, the book that comes out in spring of 2022. But thank you again to Rafael Vargas. Thank you to all of you out there listening or watching now. Um, and we'll be back, as I said, next week. So I've been Richard McCall, and this has been episode 361. big money and transform your home with new appliances now at Menards. We offer the lowest prices and the largest in-stock appliance selection ready to take home today. Check out top appliance brands including KitchenAid, Maytag, Whirlpool, Amana, and Criterion. Upgrade your home and save big money on new appliances at Menards. Shop our entire selection of appliance options online today at Menards.com. Save big money.